Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from our nation's capital. How do we reopen this economy? The latest on how this pandemic is impacting farmers. What does this do for the United States relationship with China? Bloomberg Sound On. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. We're responding to this crisis and manufacturers are stepping up like never before. We're looking at 70 candidates for different vaccines. How do we make sure a pandemic of this scale never happens again? This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Showdown in Cleveland. We're just hours away from the first presidential debate. We have every angle covered. The economy, coronavirus, and we check in with both campaigns, including an immediate interview with Congressman Tim Ryan, a Democrat from Ohio. Will Joe Biden be able to unify the far left and the centrist? We're just hours away, folks. Hours away from the first presidential debate, 90 minutes, Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden going head to head, 90 minutes, against President Trump. Chris Wallace, the moderator, he's known as a meticulous preparer. He's going to grill them on policy. We're going to have every angle covered, especially on the coronavirus and, of course, uh, on the economy, plus the latest on those fiscal stimulus talks. Uh, coming up all throughout the program, we've got an all-star lineup for you. But we begin tonight with Congressman Tim Ryan. He's a Democrat from Ohio, and he is on the front lines of the battleground state. This is the type of Democrat that Joe Biden needs to turn out, and Joe Biden needs to win back from President Trump. Ohio, where I am, it's a state that's been leaning more Republican in recent years. It's really ground zero for the president's trade policies. They either love it or they hate it. And so I asked Congressman Ryan about all of this, including about that GM plant that shut down just nearby his district. Take a listen to Congressman Tim Ryan. Here he is. I think this is going to be a lot about demeanor, presentation, calmness, uh, you know, relatability, those kind of things, more so than the actual issues that are going to be out there. And I think that's where Joe Biden really can take this race to the next level for himself by connecting with the American people. You know, look, there are a lot of working class Americans right now who are dealing with the economic calamity that is the, the coronavirus pandemic. What does he need to do to convince the voters that he is not going to go so far to the left that their economic livelihood during the recovery would be upended. Well, I think first you got to get the uh, virus under control or there's going to be no economic growth. And I think you look at the past. I mean, he, he took on a lot of the left-leaning people in our party during the, the primary campaign. His positions on energy, on natural gas, on health care are much more aligned with people down the middle of the political spectrum, maybe a little bit to the left. And I think people are going to realize that and be very, very comfortable with who he is. You know firsthand about the impact of President Trump's trade policies. Your district in particular uh, has, has had plants that have been incredibly impacted by the trade deals and the trade disputes that the president has had. How would a President Biden 
differ in terms of negotiating with countries like China? Well, I think first, Trump has been a disaster. I mean, we've seen anywhere between 300,000 and 800,000 jobs have been outsourced under his first term. The trade deficit has increased by 18 percent, so it's a fallacy. Our, for, our, our farmers have been destroyed. And I think what uh, Vice President Biden brings is one, firmness. He, him and Obama put tariffs on uh, steel tubing coming into the country, which led to a billion-dollar investment in a steel mill in my congressional district. But also, how do we outcompete China? That's really the answer. Electric vehicles, batteries, charging stations, AI, additive manufacturing, new economy. And that's what the Build Back Better plan does. And that's what we really need to beat China is outcompete them. Let me follow up on that, because there are many, especially in economic circles, that are wondering just how a Biden administration would utilize tools like tariffs. And what you said is that it would be a more strategic approach. Yeah, I think it needs to be more than it was, but it's it's definitely strategic. Oil country tubular goods when they're getting dumped, boom. You know, you can put on tariffs and do it case by case uh, because we have been damaged by it. But as you're doing that in a more strategic way, you better build back better in a more strategic way. And that means dominate these industries of the future. Ch China dominated 50 percent of the electric vehicle market pre-COVID. Or do we have a plan to do that? Joe Biden does, and we're going to dominate the electric vehicle market. That's just one example. Meanwhile, not just with economics with China, but also with Europe, uh, there's been a lot of turbulence, a lot of volatility with how uh, uh, U.S. business owners are, are having to navigate through now what's been going on with Europe. What impact has that had on your district? Well, I mean, Europe, obviously, we're on, a, we're on a different playing field with them because they have labor standards, they have environmental standards, they have, you know, they take care of their workers in a, in a way much better than, say, China or Mexico. So our trade relationship with Europe is much more stable. Um, but clearly, they've been hurt by the coronavirus, a lot of the manufacturing in northern Italy. So they've been hurt as well. So, But Biden is someone who's going to reestablish these relationships, and we can play a leadership role around the European Union, around NATO, unlike uh, Donald Trump has done. He's destroyed those relationships. The, the political chatter is that Ohio is moving in a, in a more conservative direction. You're here on the ground. You talk to your constituents. Is that does, does Joe Biden have a shot to win in Ohio? We're going to win Ohio, I'm telling you right what now. What are you seeing that we're not? Well, what we're seeing is in the suburbs, um, you're seeing a lot of Biden signs where there hasn't been a Democratic sign for a long time and not a lot of Trump signs. And then with the, the working class people, those people who voted against Hillary Clinton, you know, not necessarily for Trump, those people are starting to move back. You're seeing it in the rank and file labor unions. One said to me, uh, I sent Trump there to stir things up not to screw things up. And he didn't say screw. Um, and so, you know, that those are the kind of voters that are coming back. They're very comfortable with Biden's position on natural gas, on manufacturing, kind of the bread and infrastructure. They like that and they're going to come back home. You're heading back to Washington, D.C. for fiscal stimulus talks. Uh, you're about to vote in the coming days on a, a package uh, put forth by Speaker Pelosi that is about $2.4 trillion, significantly less than the CARES Act that had been uh, worth more than $3 trillion dollars uh, several months ago. Is this an opportunity for compromise? Is this the moment for compromise with Republicans and Democrats? God, I hope so. I mean, when you see the, the rates of people who are worried about, you know, paying their bills, bankruptcy, losing their home, you know, evictions still are out there, small businesses, restaurants. Now's the time. I mean, if we can't do it now, it's not going to happen. And, you know, now we're talking into November. I think we're going to lose a lot of businesses that will never come back. We have to act now. Final question, just from a practical matter. 
matter, procedurally speaking, if it doesn't get done, if fiscal stimulus doesn't get done before the November 3rd election, is December 11th the next cliff, so to speak, when we could see stimulus moving? People are trying to figure out when that stimulus is going, when the, it is going to come on the calendar. Well, my history in 18 years in Congress is that it goes up right to the deadline. So I would say, yeah, it would be probably early December. We don't go back till after the election. Then you have Thanksgiving and then a couple weeks in early December. So that would make the most sense. But I hope we can get it done now because the ramifications uh, when we're talking about December 11th as opposed to October 11th are significant for millions of people who will, will be really, really hurt by this. That was my interview with Congressman Tim Ryan. He's a Democrat from Ohio. I spoke with him earlier today uh, here right outside of uh, the uh, Cleveland Clinic where the, the first presidential debate is going to be uh, in just a couple of hours, 9 p.m. Eastern time, 90 minutes. It's sponsored, of course, by Case Western Reserve University here in Cleveland, Ohio. You know, I, I thought it was interesting to hear what he had to say about the fiscal stimulus talks. Remember that Democrats, Speaker Pelosi, the Democrats, they're going to vote on a $2.4 trillion fiscal stimulus deal plan this week. And this is really the last chance, really, that folks have in order to get to some type of deal ahead of the November 3rd election. I spoke with uh, Congressman Connor Lamb. He's another centrist Democrat from southwestern Pennsylvania. And I asked him point blank, I mean, is this it? Is this as good as it gets between now and November 3rd if they want to get to some type of deal? And he told me, you know, he, he's optimistic, right? He's a politician. He's optimistic. But... You know, really, this is this is the last chance. So uh, two f major economic stories uh, driving uh, this week out of Washington, D.C., the 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 volatility coming out of the first debate. And then, of course, uh, these fiscal stimulus talks coming up on the program. We check in with the markets and then we're also going to check in uh, with the uh, president's reelection campaign. Kimberly Guilfoyle is going to join us. So we've got a jam packed uh, hour. Remember, you can download the Bloomberg Sound on podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by download loading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. I'm the Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. And you're listening to Cleveland. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli. I'm the chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg, uh, Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. And uh, we're awaiting the first Democratic presidential debate. I mean, just some, just some color uh, for folks. I mean, there's no spin room. I mean, here I am in Cleveland covering the first debate. There's literally no spin room. The folks at Case Western Reserve University and the Cleveland Clinic and, of course, the Presidential Debate Commission have just been so incredibly well organized. Uh, but they're, they're following all of the social distancing guidelines uh, because, you know, here we are. So we're outside and, and all of the, the, the both of the campaigns have been having to send their surrogates outside uh, to talk to us. So so 
and I think you can glean just a little bit about the strategy of President Trump and Joe Biden based upon whom they're surrounding themselves with, uh, whom they are surrounding themselves with. Uh, and you've got centrists surrounding Joe Biden. You've got Tim Ryan, Connor Lamb. We're going to hear from Connor Lamb coming up. And then for... Uh, for the president, it's Senator Marsha Blackburn, Jim Jordan, in terms of rallying the base. I was looking at some of the crosstabs and some of the polling that has come out, and the president is overperforming amongst white working class men. He's also overperforming amongst Hispanic votes compared to his 2016 turnout. In contrast to that, Joe Biden's outperforming amongst white, work, uh, white suburban college-educated women as well as African Americans, comparatively speaking, to comparatively speaking to Hillary Clinton in 2016, and we're awaiting uh, our. We're having some difficulty getting one of our, our next guests on the line, so just bear with me as we try to get maybe another reporter uh, or or someone else on the line uh, because we're trying to get Clark Kendall, President and CEO of Kendall Capital, to talk with us about. Uh, the economic preview and what uh, investors are going to be looking for uh, during the first presidential debate, which is 90 minutes and will begin at 9 p.m. Eastern uh, here in Cleveland, Ohio. And I'm wondering if we can get a reporter. I'm wondering if we can bring in one of our panelists early in order to, uh, you know, help to navigate through. Uh, and I know our, our crew, Christine Barada, is working uh, tirelessly on that. Oh, I got some great news. Good. Clark, are you there? Are you with me, buddy? Yes, I'm here. Clark Kendall. Clark Kendall, president and CEO of Kendall Capital. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, Clark, what happened in the markets today? Well, first of all, i got to tell you, I'm a groupie. I listen to you every night driving home from, well, Rock, from Rockville. Well, hopefully, it was a, it was, hopefully I don't say anything stupid. You know what I mean? But, I, I want you to keep no, coming back. Thank you, Clark. I enjoy you. Uh, I'm a groupie. But market declined today. It was the first time it declined in, in four days. We had the Dow down about 130 points. The S&P was down 16. NASDAQ down 32. All were down about a half a percent in the major markets. And so what, do you, what, what, so what was driving the markets today? I mean, there's so much volatility. Investors are freaking out about all the volatility that's coming in Washington, the mail-in ballot story. You've got the fiscal stimulus talks. What's, what's been really the driving force here uh, in, in today in the markets? Well, today everyone's talking about the debates tonight, uh, the concerns over the continuing uh, growth in the coronavirus cases over a million pe people worldwide. Uh, you got the Democrats and the Republicans fighting each other. It seems like on everything, the stimulus bill, Amy Barrett, uh, the ballots, it, it just continues here in Washington. You know, I was talking with Tom Keene on Bloomberg Surveillance and, of course, my colleagues Jonathan Farrow and Lisa Abramowitz on, on, uh, on, on Bloomberg Surveillance earlier this morning. And one of the economic indicators that investors are really going to be looking at in terms of who won, who lost uh, the first presidential debate is the volatility index. What do we know about how the volatility index is shaping up uh, over the next two months, really, even into December, uh, as, as this political season really heats up? Well, you got the VIX now up in, uh, what, high 20s, considerably higher than where it was a year ago, but down from where we were, you know, during the second quarter. I think the real concern for investors is uh, the divergent between what's going on in the market, what's going on in Main Street. You know, the S&P, 25% of the uh, 25% of the S&P index is tech-driven. 
yet it only is 13% of the overall GDP. And just the opposite for the industrials. Industrials is only 13% of the index, but it's about 20% of our economy. And I think that's what is, is driving the markets. It's the divergence between what's going on Main Street, what's going on in Wall Street. And, and the divergence is one word for it. That's putting it politely. I mean, it almost just seems totally divorced from reality in many ways about what's happening on Main Street versus what the investor community uh, is looking at. Let, let me hammer home on this on this VIX point, just for if I could, just for a second. I mean, if volatility it goes up tomorrow, does that mean President Trump performed well? And if volatility goes down, does that mean that Joe Biden did what he needed to do? Uh, well, I think we're going to have volatility uh, right up to the election. You do? Um, I do. We're going to have volatility. But I think at the end of the day, Everyone is expecting that we're not going to have the the uh, ballot results to the next morning. It's going to take several several weeks, and I think just like the Chad several years ago, I think the yeah. market is anticipating this. So there's going to be volatility up to it, and then I think it's going to be relatively quiet because I figure if we're talking about it on the radio, the market knows it's going to happen. <laughs> well, I was, you know, the hanging Chads. I was back in elementary school. I remember that. I always, I always joke with my friend Adam Goodman down in Florida. I said, "Get ready for the Chads. It's going to be mailing mailing ballots." And coming up, we're going to talk with uh, Congressman Connor Lamb. He is a Democrat from Southwestern Pennsylvania. He flipped a Trump seat in Southwestern Pennsylvania. But you know, I, I'm struck by this because I said, I said, Congressman Lamb, do you really think Joe Biden is going to go tough on China with tariffs? I mean, do you really think he's going to utilize some of those tariffs against uh, against uh, Europe, against uh, Mexico, Canada? I mean, is tariffs? And he said, well, he, Obama and Biden did it back uh, in terms of uh, targeting some of what China was doing with the steel dumping. So they are arguing that the that a Democratic administration would be more targeted in their tariffs. But you know what I hear from that, uh, Clark Kendall, uh, is I hear that tariffs are here to stay. And I'm not sure that, that Wall Street understands that fully, that, that tariffs are here to stay in ter- as, a, as a negotiating tool for the United States, regardless of who wins uh, in November 3rd and the weeks that follow. Uh, you know, that is that's probably very true. We are going to increase our tariffs, but I, as a portfolio manager managing other client, other people's money, what is going on is the Nifty Fifty stocks. The top ten of the S and P is a huge percentage of the overall index. The large cap growth are trading at huge valuations. We had Beyond Meat today rise ten percent because, and I said, you know, that's a ten billion dollar market cap. They only had $113 million in revenue the second quarter this year. Um, so, you know, they're trading at huge valuations, and we saw this back at the turn of the century. There's been a great divergence. The Nasdaq's up over 20% this year. The Russell 2000 is down 10%. You know, I come back, companies like United Rental, um, you know, is, is a $12 billion company that has $10 million Ten billion in revenue. So Every I mean, time. there's some very, there's some very profitable companies in the market, and I think that's what investors need to do. And I think, quite frankly, the the election can be a, can be an excuse to refocus on the fundamentals of that return of cash flow. Every time one of those vegan brands is in the news, I always want a burger. I don't know what that says about me. It always just makes me hungry. Clark Kendall, quickly in thirty seconds, are people moving their money to Japan? I mean, is that really the only safe haven? 
I don't think so. No, most Americans spend 98 percent of their money in dollars. I think it will continue to be dollars. And what over 50 percent of S and P revenue is generated by foreign sales. So um, I don't think people are moving their money outside right. of the United States. Clark Kendall, President and CEO of Kendall, Kendall Capital. Hey, Clark, come back and talk to us anytime. I really appreciate you making the time for me, especially on debate night. Debate night in America. Coming up, Congressman Connor Lamb and Kimberly Guilfoyle. You don't want to miss it. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. And you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from our nation's capital. How do we reopen this economy? The latest on how this pandemic is impacting farmers. What does this do for the United States' relationship with China? Bloomberg Sound On. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. We're responding to this crisis and manufacturers are stepping up like never before. We're looking at 70 candidates for different vaccines. How do we make sure a pandemic of this scale never happens again? This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Countdown to debate night in America. Just hours away from the first presidential debate. I'm here live in Cleveland and we've got every angle covered, including interviews with Congressman Connor Lamb and Kimberly Guilfoyle. How will the politics, the policy and the back and forth political banter impact Joe Biden and President Trump, plus the latest on fiscal stimulus talks as Speaker Pelosi prepares for House Democrats to have a final option ahead of November for more economic relief. We have a lot to get through here outside of the Cleveland Clinic at the first presidential debate in Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio. It's sponsored by Case Western Reserve University. Beautiful day, a little bit chilly, beautiful fall, brisk, chilly day here in Cleveland, Ohio, we're at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. President Donald Trump goes on stage, no handshake because of the social distance guidelines, with Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden. 90 minutes, moderated by, of course, Chris Wallace, who's got a reputation of just being a meticulous preparer. And they're going to talk about the coronavirus, the economy, and whatnot. And, and it's different this year. This is the first debate I've covered where things are very different. There's no spin room. We're on risers outside of the clinic, outdoors. And uh, the campaigns are sending folks our way to, for, for us to pick pick their brains. We have every angle covered for this hour. We're going to check in with the Trump re-election campaign with Kimberly Guilfoyle. And I spoke earlier this afternoon with someone who comes from a part of the country that President Trump carried in 2016. Southwestern Pennsylvania. Populism. He had that streak of populism and the conservative movement combined it and was able to carry the state. First time. A Republican has won Pennsylvania since 1988. 1988. Now Joe Biden's headquartered there in Philadelphia. A new ABC News Washington Post poll came out earlier today. Has Biden ahead in Pennsylvania by 10 percentage points. 
So I caught up with Congressman Connor Lamb. He's a Democrat from uh, the Pittsburgh area of, of, uh, of Pennsylvania. And I asked him, well, roll the tape. Take a listen to what he told me. You know, the pundits are saying there's a diminishing uh, swing vote, but you come from a district where you know a thing or two about the swing vote because you flipped it from a Trump district to a Democrat district. What did you do that Joe Biden needs to do to turn Pennsylvania back to the Democrats? Yeah, I stayed focused on people's paychecks and on their pensions. Um, and in Western Pennsylvania, that means a lot. And that's pretty much what Vice President Biden has done all along. So. I don't think there are a whole lot of swing voters left now because he's already picked up most of them before Election Day. Well, on the issue of energy policy, especially as it relates to fracking and other uh, energy proposals, that Joe Biden has come under fire from Republicans who are saying that he would be beholden to Democratic Socialists, to forces on the far left that would negatively impact some of the folks uh, in your district. Can you, uh, how does he alleviate some of their concerns? He's already done it. He came to Pittsburgh and said in no uncertain terms that he would not ban fracking. And then he stopped and said, let me repeat that a second time. I will not ban fracking. Um, so this has been a test of kind of the Trump style of politics of just say whatever you want, whether it's true or not. But the problem is that's not how people in Western Pennsylvania live their lives. People care about telling the truth. Um, they understand who Joe Biden is and where he comes from and that he cares about their jobs. And so uh, we're getting that out there, and I think you'll hear more about that tonight. I want to dive into to a policy issue as it relates to trade, because trade policy has really been at the forefront uh, of, of so many of these of these economic issues. There's this frustration amongst working class Americans with NAFTA and whatnot. But if you go uh, to and dive into how the president has handled U.S.-China trade deals or even with Europe or USMCA, what do you hear from constituents, from small business uh, owners in your district about how the president's trade policies have impacted uh, their bottom lines? Yeah, there's a mix. I mean, to be honest, um the steel industry has cared a lot about these issues, and some of President Trump's intentions were in line with the Western Pennsylvania steel industry, meaning that China really has been dumping steel for a very long time, and you know they, we need to push back on them. The problem was he never actually did that. So you need to unite the rest of the world along with the United States against China for their steel dumping, and he didn't do that. He was putting tariffs on Canada. I mean, we, the United Steelworkers have members in the United States and Canada. A lot of these companies have operations in both places. So like a lot of things, there was a lot of sound and fury that didn't end up doing what it was intended. But Vice President Biden has smartly stepped in and said, we can continue this tariff policy. It's not like everything that Trump ever did was bad, uh, but we're going to do it in a way that actually benefits Western Pennsylvania. Switching gears to fiscal stimulus talks, are you frustrated that this just hasn't been uh, there hasn't been a bipartisan deal. In or I mean, it doesn't make sense to a lot of people outside of Washington that they that all of this inaction has gone on. And meanwhile, uh, people are really feeling the negative impacts of, of Washington's inaction. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to a lot of people in Washington either, including me. Um, and there is no excuse for it. People need to know that. Uh, I think that, you know, the Speaker and the Treasury Secretary are continuing to negotiate as we speak. I will say that, you know, the House where I served has now passed multiple bills. And this week we will pass another one providing options, saying we are willing to negotiate. But you have to include support for some of the people that are hurting the most, people who are unemployed, schools, you know, the airline industry. You can't just pick out like small businesses only, which we also support. But our whole society needs help. Uh, and you're not seeing that same thing in the Senate. You know, I think people would understand if it was our bills were unreasonable and they were voting them down. 
They're not even voting. They're not doing anything. They're so divided among themselves that you can't even hold a negotiation with them. And that's what I think is so frustrating. Politics aside from a practical matter, is this the last chance? Is this bill that you guys are voting on uh, in the coming days? Is this $2.4 trillion package? Is this the last chance before between now and November 3rd? And if it is, does December 11th, from a calendar standpoint, become the next potential vehicle or cliff where there could be more fiscal stimulus relief? I can't really speak for the Senate and the White House, but I can say the House where I served, um, many of us, mostly new members who came in in 2018, have told our own leadership time and again, we will show up to vote on a COVID package any time, any day, before the election, at the election, after the election. It is that urgent, and that's what we're hearing from our constituents, and that's not going to go away. So I think on the House side, you'll see we are ready to deal and ready to finish the deal whenever we can. That was my interview from earlier this afternoon with Congressman Connor Lamb. Uh, he's a Democrat from Pennsylvania. He's up for uh, re-election against a Republican challenger backed by President Trump, Sean Parnell. It's going to be a very fascinating, fascinating race in southwestern Pennsylvania. Uh, and here we are, just a couple of hours away from the first presidential debate. My panel with me tonight for the hour, Matt Gorman, Vice President of Targeted Victory, former NRCC Communications Director, and Brandon Neal, Democrat strategist who previously worked in the Obama administration, former political director for the DNC in 2016. Matt, uh, just since we heard from, from the Democrat there, from Connor Lamb, you know, what'd you make of, of what a centrist like Connor Lamb had to say, especially uh, as we head into the first debate now, just hours away? Well, well, thanks for having me, Kevin, first of all. Uh, you know, he's a political animal. You know, he, he you were right. He flipped a district that was heavily union. Um, and again, Trump won it uh, in 16. It was a, uh, represented by a Republican for a while. And look, that fracking issue, there's a reason Connor Lamb brought it up and is trying to clarify it, because um, Biden's been all over the place on fracking. And it, it, for him uh, to be able to succeed and get the type of margins he needs in places like that to be able to win Pennsylvania, he needs to tamp that down very quickly. You know, obviously, both Trump and Biden have pretty strong union ties. Our candidate in the special election there when I was over at the NRC yeah. did not have good, good union ties. But um, that is something that he needs to work on. Well, I know a thing or two about the energy in, in Pennsylvania. That's how I grew up. You know, my sister works at a refinery and uh, my uh, my dad, you know. So it, it, that is a huge issue, huge issue in a battleground state like uh, like Pennsylvania. All right, coming up, we dive much more into the policy, the politics, what happened in the market today, and fiscal stimulus. Are they finally going to get a deal on fiscal stimulus. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Tom Keen has me Googling the Doobie Brothers. I don't even know who they are. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli. I'm the chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television. 
Ed for Bloomberg Radio, and I'm sitting outside of the Cleveland Clinic for just a couple of hours. President Trump and Joe Biden go head-to-head in the first presidential debate. 90 minutes. Folks, I mean, 90 minutes. No, no one around, I mean, it's going to be remarkable just to watch watch these two political forces forces go ahead to head they've been trading jabs all day it was hard to keep up with it i mean they're talking about earpieces you know maybe think of the bush remember the the george w bush scandal not scandal lack of a better word but uh with the with the hunch in his back and whether or not it was a microphone remember all that it was taking me back and uh you know trading jabs on on drug tests the president wanted a drug test couldn't even follow it all but we're going to stick to the policy we're going to stick to really what we're going to try to cut through the noise and that's why i'm so grateful filled with gratitude to have our panel with me for the hour matt gorman and of course brandon neal democratic strategist uh and he's also the former deputy chief of staff and political advisor to congresswoman karen bass and he was a senior advisor to pete Buttigieg's presidential campaign you know brandon I think ACB, Amy Coney Barrett, is really going to be an issue that emerges. The timeline, Democrats want to push it back until the next administration, whomever that is after the election, in order for the confirmation to the Supreme Court. But then you've got these substantial policy issues, especially on health care, right? Because you dust off your Constitution and you're reminded that for the November 10th case on the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, the Obamacare case, November 10th, if the, just, if the judge is confirmed to the Supreme Court, they can, he or she, in this case she, can participate in that case. That's only a week after the November 3rd elections. We might not even have a result that this Obamacare case is going to be started. So it's really crucial. Healthcare front and center tonight at this debate, Brandon Neal. Absolutely. First of all, thanks, Kevin, for having me on. Yeah, healthcare will be at the uh, front and center of this debate, of course, talking about uh, nominee Amy Comey Barrett, but you know, think about today. Today is the day that we actually laid to rest uh, Justice uh, Bader Ginsburg today, and it hasn't even been a full week, you know, in terms of just paying respect and giving her the time and her family time to, to heal and just to give them some empathy in terms of what they're going through. And so we have already jumped now into putting forth this nominee uh, for the Supreme Court and talking about issues. We talk about issues with, with, with Amy Comey Beard. We talk about issues on women's right to choose. We talk about issues with 130 million Americans uh, losing their insurance with health care. You know, you're talking about rolling back issues that will set America back for a generation to come. So this is very important, and I do think it's very important to, to wait. You know, why, why, why rush this thing? Let's well, wait until we elect the president and let the next president. Why not honor, the, honor her wishes, Justice Ginsburg's wishes, by allowing the next president to decide? Well, you talked about the policy. Amy Coney Barrett, uh, also a Catholic. She's, of course, a mother of seven, uh, into, uh, seven kids. Um, and, you know, in, in battleground states like Michigan, Wisconsin, Arizona, Florida, even to some extent, I mean, the Catholic vote such a, an important swing vote. In many ways, it's served as a bellwether of sorts and predicting the outcome of presidential elections. Right now, Biden's leading amongst Catholics by single digits amongst President Trump, according to recent polls that have been conducted in the last week and, week and two weeks. But if you go back, Catholics have predicted the outcome of the presidential election all, every time since 2004. Trump won the Catholic vote 
back in 2016 against Clinton. So, I mean, there's this this element of Catholicism that's really playing here, uh, especially in, in, in the suburbs. And, and I wonder how that plays, especially during the confirmation process when she testifies before the Senate Judiciary Committee, and um, which are set to begin in the, in the next couple of days, in the week even. And Senator Ted Cruz, a Republican from Texas, uh, as she has begun having these meetings with members in the Senate, he spoke today earlier about this confirmation process. Here's Senator Ted Cruz of Texas. I expect that the Senate will confirm Judge Barrett and do so by the end of the month. And when the Senate does so, we will be honoring the promise we made to the American people to confirm principled constitutionalists to the Supreme Court. Matt Gorman, I mean, the issue of constitutionalists and, and textualists and whatnot, and, you know, I, you don't have to have a law degree to know that, that uh, Republicans want this pick. <laughs> and they want it done before the election. No, you're absolutely right. And look, I, I know I've mentioned this to you before. Uh, Republicans for decades now have always drawn a very clear line between electing Republican presidents, senators, and appointing conservative judges. You know when you vote for those senators and presidents, what you're getting in terms of judiciary. So, so in many ways, you know, and I, I want to jump in here because yeah. I want to tie it to the yeah. debate tonight, because in many yeah. ways, not only is ACB having to testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee, but President Trump is going to be in many ways speaking on her behalf and could even add further politicization to the entire process and a lot of pressure because the way he articulates her views could weigh on the Senate Judiciary process. Frame it like that for me. You're absolutely right. We've seen this before. If you remember during the Gorsuch nomination, that was when Trump uh, attacked Judge Cur Curiel, right, um, for being a member of the cities of, of Mexican descent that might have affected him in the immigration case. Gorsuch had to come out because he was getting asked by Democratic senators about it. And he, you know, chastised Trump very gently. And Trump hit the roof and almost pulled the nomination. You know, so you're absolutely right. What he says can box in Amy Coney Barrett to an extent. You see, he already tweeted about Obamacare possibly getting overturned Supreme Court. These types sorts of things don't help um, any nominee, let alone you know someone who is in a rapid process. There is no margin for error when it comes to between now and election day getting her confirmed. And uh, Brandon Neal, I mean, what will Joe Biden say tonight? I mean, how will how will the Supreme Court process? play tonight. I mean, will he, because he, if Joe Biden wins the presidency, he's only the second Catholic to ever be president. Uh, uh, the first being, of course, JFK. So, uh, you know, how is he going to, to, to walk that political tightrope uh, for moderates and suburbs, right. suburban Catholics? Yeah, so I think what Joe Biden will do tonight is do what Joe Biden does best and be himself and talk to the American people. I think when you talk about issues in hands that are respective to the working class, I think that's an opportunity for him to talk directly to them, and I think that that will resonate. And again, talking about issues, women's right to choose. Again, talking about uh, issues that will set America back for generations, health care, same-sex marriage, equality, climate change, all the above. I think that's what he will focus on. And then also, I think he'll also bring up the fact that in 2016, when Merrick Garland was nominated by President Obama, right. this was yeah. done back in February of 2016, yeah. not 30 days before okay. the election. All right, we got to leave it right there. Panel's going to stick around. Kimberly, Kimberly Guilfoyle is up next. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio, and you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1.
You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. I'm here in Cleveland, Cleveland, Ohio, for the Case Western Reserve University and Cleveland Clinic. First presidential debate, Joe Biden, President Trump. 90 minutes, Chris Wallace, he's going to be uh, moderating. So we checked in with Connor Lamb. Now we're going to check in with the Trump re-election campaign. We're thrilled to have on the program. Welcome back to the program. Kimberly Guilfoyle, she's the National Finance Chair to Trump Victory Fund and a senior advisor to the campaign. All right, Kimberly, we were talking in the break just about how different this cycle is, but it's still a debate night. I mean, this is what you live for as a political junkie. What are you going to be watching for tonight for the first debate? Absolutely. It's so interesting when you compare just the juxtaposition from 2016 to now. And, you know, and then, of course, I was actually covering it and hosting a show from there and now uh, going to have essentially a, a front row seat to American political history. I'm looking for the first 15 minutes to tell the tale of how this is going to go, to see who comes out strong out the top. I think the president is going to be uh, very strong. He's in a great mood today. Looks good, feels good, sounds fantastic. So I think he's ready for this. He lives for this type of action and energy and excitement. Don't expect him to hold back at all. And compare this now again to last time, he actually has a bunch of accomplishments that he's made. So before he was pitching a case to the American people, and now he's delivered. So I think he has a strong record to run on. So I think that puts him right away on offense. I mean, I feel like the debates are started with the jabs going on before you know they're talking about the earpieces the drug tests i mean we're staying out of that right we're going to focus on the issues is this a debate a prize fight a ufc cage match all of the above stay tuned and you know all of us are like talking down on it but deep down we're kind of entertained we're, we're, a little bit s- we're super entertained because we've been hanging on since the excitement of the last time when you saw president trump then candidate trump go up against hillary clinton but you know keep in mind you know joe biden has had uh you know decades of experience doing debates so there are plenty of people that think that he's going to be able to put a a strong showing up tonight but I think President Trump has proved himself although to be new at the political game he was quite adept at it last time and I think again he's really looking forward to hitting back and uh, going after Joe because he's got a lot of material to work with. Kimberly you've crisscrossed the country in the past couple of days your your, travel itinerary is dizzying just in in the next couple of of weeks really but when I I I don't pay attention to the national polls I do pay attention to the cross tabs as well as to the battleground polls. There's an ABC News poll out today that has them down 10 points in Pennsylvania. It's neck and neck in Florida, neck and neck in Arizona. What are you What are you looking at in the crosstabs? Because the one area where he's been above is not in the handling of the coronavirus. Mm-hmm. He's, he's dipped there, but on the economy. You're absolutely right. And we know when you have strong economic numbers and favorables in that regard, that bodes well for re-election, especially for an incumbent. He was already in such a strong uh, position prior to the coronavirus but he's already been able to make some inroads in terms of the great American comeback. And I think people want, you know, a steady hand at the wheel. He's already proved himself adept to understand the economy as an American businessman. And it's a very risky maneuver if people are going to try to turn it over in the middle um, to Joe Biden, who really doesn't have any experience with, uh, you know, the economy or actually creating jobs or understanding tax cuts or deregulation. President Trump understands. He knows. He's delivered the results already. So American people want to trust him for that job. 
Kimberly, are there any more undecided voters? <laughs> yeah, I think there's some independents out there, and I think there's some uh, perhaps traditional Democrats that feel this isn't the Democrat uh, party of their grandfather anymore, that this is something that the is Kennedy radically Catholics. different. Exactly. And this is something where they look at the Biden and, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders unity plan and that platform, and it doesn't represent, you know, their values. They don't want to defund and dismantle the police. They don't want schools closed. They don't want borders open. They want strong communities, a robust economy, and someone that they can count on that understands national security. The reason I ask about the undecided voters, because I come from a part of the country where you're, you're literally related to people who are going to vote for Joe Biden or vote for Donald Trump. And, and, and everybody gets along. You know, right. Irish, Italian, Catholic, family, <laughs> outside of... You, you get it. Irish, Puerto Rican, I get it, along it, with both sides it, of myself. You know, yeah. Exactly. But the reason I bring it up is because when the pundits are saying, well, it's a turnout election. Mm -hmm. So you're on the front lines. You're in yes. the inner circle. Is this a turnout election or is this a fight for the moderates or is it both? I mean, how does this compare? I think this is really going to come down to as well, just, you know, getting out the vote, turnout election. And that's why we're yeah. really feeling good about having over two you know, million volunteers trained, mobilized, activated to be able to get out there and turn out the vote for President Trump. And as you mentioned, yes, yeah, some of the polls um, looking like they're tightening, et cetera. But, you know, I We've been in Florida. I see strong support, especially in the Latino community, for President Trump there. I think that could be a game changer. Cuban Americans. And Cuban Americans, 250,000 Puerto Ricans like myself that are there in Florida. So I expect to do very well in Florida. Um, we have spent a tremendous amount of time in Pennsylvania. I was just there last week, and the turnout was incredible for some of the little, you know, grassroots uh, movement stuff that we did and people turning out for rallies and town halls. And the enthusiasm for the president is tremendous. The enthusiasm gap is unbelievable compared to, you know, the low energy sort of, uh, oh, well, support for Joe Biden and the, hey, Trump, Trump, Trump all the way. Car parades, boat parades, whatever it is, you see people are out there and getting their voice heard. Carter Land told me top of the show, Joe Biden's not going to end fracking in Pennsylvania. Yes, well, here's the problem. It depends on which Joe you're getting because Joe says that he's not, you know, for fracking, uh, that he's, you know, then he's against fracking. But if you look, he actually is against fracking. So, we want someone who is for energy independence that can support all of our energy resources in this country, whether it's coal, gas, um, renewable energy, oil, all of the above. And that person, there's one person that stands for all that, and that is President Trump. So basically, Joe Biden is bad for Pennsylvania because he is against fracking. Okay, so But he changes his position on a whole bunch of things, whether it's he's pro-life, no, then he's pro-choice or, you know, uh, for late-term abortion. So people really have to take a good look, and hopefully President Trump, I believe, is going to put him on the, you know, on the positioning here tonight on some of the stuff to take a stand. Everyone in the, spot. in the Wall Street crowd, they're all talking about taxes. This, they've actually been more interested in the tax issue, the New York Times tax issue, Biden releasing his taxes earlier today than they have been about the uh, the earpiece stuff. I mean, how, personally, based upon my reporting, I think it's going to fall along the battle lines where President Trump is going to say, I want to lower taxes, and then Biden's going to say, oh, well, Republicans just want to uh, lower taxes for the wealthy. I, I but that's not true. I mean, Pre President Trump's uh, tax cuts and job acts has actually proved that he understands what it takes to stimulate the economy and produce a robust economy. He wants to put tax cuts there for all Americans to make sure that people are really getting more bang for their buck and keeping more money in their pockets 
budgets because they understand better what to do with their discretionary spending than the uh, spend uh, spend wild Democrats in the swamp in D.C. So he has respect for hardworking Americans, for the money that they have to be able to put food on the table. And Joe Biden has just been, you know, a reckless teenage uh, spender with the parents paycheck on uh, checkbook on the weekend. And we don't need that anymore in this country. On the issue of the taxes, I mean, is this tax story, does it get a lot of attention? I mean, is this one, what, what do you think, what will the president's response? We've already kind of heard it where he's calling it fake news, but does he Well, have- yes, again, does anyone dispute that the president of the United States has paid millions and millions of dollars in taxes, let alone payroll taxes across the board? This is something they're trying to throw it out there to distract against from the president's accomplishments and cover up 50 years of failure from Joe Biden. I think the Americans care about the economy. They care about national security. They care about community safety, and they don't want any more of this rioting, burning, looting, and anarchy in the streets that you've seen in Democrat and blue states. I want to talk about China, but I don't. I want to do it through the lens of, of, of a national security, through the lens of, of a, a China that is on offense militaristically, economically, culturally. Do you? How will the president draw a contrast, not just with the Hunter Biden issue, but but truly on those three points against Joe Biden tonight? Yeah, I mean, look, the president has been very strong on China. He's also been very consistent. This is something he's been saying about trade inequality for quite some time, many years before he was a politician. And what he wanted to do was um, equal the playing field, level it out, and actually have trade reciprocity. He's been able to do that. It has actually resulted in more dollars for the American economy, the American worker, instead of exporting the American dream. And what we've seen is the Biden family in particular benefiting and having that relationship with China because they have been able to benefit from it financially. And so this is a president that puts America first, not China first, and is going to make sure that we are also strong as it relates to the military and protecting our country and protecting our trade secrets and our, you know, IP information, all of the above, because we have seen that the president has a deep understanding of how U.S. and China relations should be. And we need someone who's actually going to have a strong positioning so we're not taken advantage of like we have been in so many years past. I said this yesterday, I mean, what Xi Jinping said over the weekend at the Communist Party, I guess it was a conference with regards to, he was defending his treatment of the Uyghurs, just absolutely terrifying. Kimberly Guilfoyle, thank you so much for coming back on the program. Pleasure to be here with you. You're listening to Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. My name is Kevin Cirilli, the chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. In the break, Kimberly Guilfoyle was telling us that they did a campaign stop with Kid Rock. Remember Kid Rock? What was that song he had with Sheryl Crow? Remember that picture? I remember that song. Um, all right, it's time now for my favorite part of the show, which is called What is on Your Radar? But it's got to be debate-centric because we're just a couple of hours away from the first presidential debate in Cleveland, Ohio. Brandon Neal's with me, Democratic strategist Matt Gorman, Republican strategist. All right, so you've got to keep it locked on the debates, and you've got to be specific. I don't want to hear, you know, the talking points and all that. I want it to be really interesting. Tell me something I don't know. Matt Gorman, I'm putting you on the spot. You're up first. What's on your radar for the debate tonight? All right. Uh, there is a history going back. Uh, incumbent presidents have not fared well in their first debate. You go all the way back to Reagan, 04 with Bush, uh, certainly 12 with Barack Obama. Look, Trump's a different animal. I get it. He certainly hasn't done traditional debate prep. 
Uh, however, does he come out, whether it's a little lackadaisical or maybe not in his game, Biden has had a lot of debate prep. How does he do? That's what I'm looking for. Okay, wait, let's go back for a little bit. I remember I was at, I had just started at uh, Politico dating myself years ago, and, uh, and Obama tanked the first debate. I mean, do you remember that? Romney came out swinging. It was like you'd never oh, yeah. seen it. I mean, and you were, where, where, where were you for that? I was in the war room with, with, with Romney wow. uh, up in Boston. Oh, yeah. It was like we're holding our breath for 90 minutes straight. And then as soon as it ended, we're like, holy crap. Like, that was amazing. And so I think that's what I find fascinating. The, the, the pundits are all saying, oh, a debate doesn't change anything. I totally disagree with that. A debate still has not – first of all, it's an American tradition. It's a hallmark of democracy that in our country, our two leaders of the political parties – they debate each other with words, and they debate each other over ideas. Even if you have issue that it's cheap, even if it's plastic, even if it feels like it's about earpieces and not about tax policy, they're still meeting each other on the stage and debating each other, and it's not what's happening in, oh, I don't know, Azerbaijan this week. So it's, 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 it's a hallmark of democracy, number one. Secondly, it politically in the short term does have the the uh, 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 ability to really shift a narrative, to shift a uh, 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 momentum, and that means something. That means something. And and where they shift money, where they shift the ad buys, Matt Gorman, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, talk to me about the importance of a debate from a strategic standpoint. Look, this is one of the few times where both candidates are not only on the same stage, but you have. Probably 90 million people are going to be tuning in. You had 84, I believe, or 86 last time, right? Millions and millions of people uh, are going to be tuning into this. It is one of the last chances to reset the race, Um, especially now. Look, Trump is behind. Every day that he is not gaining ground on Biden is a day lost for him. So a chance to reset this race for him and his campaign is absolutely vital, absolutely vital. And it's in these socially distant times. It's really, I mean, when else can you get 90 million eyeballs or set pairs of eyeballs on a, on a stage? I mean, it's, it's, it's really it. All right, so that's, that's fascinating, I mean, to watch traditionally how an incumbent candidate does in the first debate. There's going to be three other debates after this in Salt Lake City, Utah, which is the vice presidential debate. That's next week. And then in Miami, that's the next presidential debate. And then in Nashville, Tennessee, country. I'm heading to Nashville, Matt. I'm so excited. I love country views. I've never been to Nashville. I've been all over Tennessee. Never been to Nashville. All right, enough about me. Not that it's about my travel. I haven't gotten out much this year like the rest of the world. Brandon Neal, what's your radar? So on my radar, I think we're finally going to put that slogan of Sleepy Joe and finally put that Sleepy Joe slogan to bed. Um, I think that we're going to see. Uh, you like that one, huh? I think you're yeah, gonna that see was funny. <laughs> I think we're going to see an energetic Joe Biden. Uh, we're going to see someone with strengths and someone who will ri- remind American people of who he is and also his leadership. I also think he has the opportunity, honestly, to be the adult on the stage. And by doing that, all he's got to do is ignore the, the, the nuances and the, the stuff that comes from, from Trump uh, that is not germane to the conversation. So all he has to do is to look directly into the camera and talk to the American people and remind them who he is and also remind them about his history, remind them about how he was the one in leadership who talked about the Recovery Act and actually led the Recovery Act in 2009. And so I think, you know, going down memory lane will serve, him, serve America well. 
Okay, so I hear you on that point, but I mean the stakes are pretty high for Joe Biden. Right? I mean for both of them, but but on this particular right. point, and joke about the Sleepy Joe, uh, you know, nickname or or whatnot. But I mean, anything that he does out of step or out of character, or if he's scratching his ear for an earpiece, it will be dissected. And there's 90 minutes on that stage. I mean, that, just put it put it in that in that line of thought just about the pressure that is on both of these candidates, Brandon Neal, for 90 minutes with the cameras yeah. watching and the world watching. Well, I know, but listen, remain on message. Look into the camera and talk to the American people so they can see your empathy, so they can see your leadership, so they can see that you are actually talking to them about issues that are germane to them and so that they can feel the connection one-on-one. And then I would also, if you, if, he, if, if, if Vice President Biden really wants to get under uh, Trump's skin, all he has to do is talk about President Obama and his history and his legacy and what all the great things he did for this country. I guarantee you by the time this 90 minutes is over, you look over to the right and he's melted. Joe Biden's going to head uh, on a train tour of parts of Ohio and Pennsylvania in the next couple of days. Uh, and the, I mean, the, the, the debate continues. The campaign trail continues. I'm going to be speaking with uh, Senator Marsha Blackburn, a Republican from Tennessee, and Congressman Jim Jordan in the next couple of hours. Uh, they've been traveling with the president all day. I mean, it's it's just there's so much going on. I mean, usually you both know this. Usually at a time like this, Washington is asleep. You know, I mean, nothing gets done between now and November 3rd or an election day. But now we've got, oh, I don't know, at least a two trillion dollar fiscal stimulus, a Supreme Court nomination pick and an economic calamity. And, uh, you know, the the economic recovery. I mean, it's just an, a pandemic with 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 uh, regulations regarding vaccinations. All right. So here's one thing that's on my radar. It's not really related to any of that, but I, it really jarred me today. And I think we lose sight in the numbers and the data. And I was, I was reading up on it on the Bloomberg terminal before I came in here, Disney, California based theme parks, Disney's California based theme parks. Um, it's forcing folks, folks at Disney to lay off 28,000 employees, 28,000 families, 28,000 people losing their jobs across the parks experiences and consumer products division. Uh, Josh Diamaro, who's the head of parks at Disney, he outlined this in a letter, 28,000 people. And, and Disney isn't alone in this. I mean, so many, so many, so many companies, the layoffs are just keep coming. And it, it's, it's just devastating. I mean, when you really think of the, uh, the impact that, that this is having. And so, you know, Talk to me about that, Matt Gorman, just about the economy, which the president has led on. But at this debate, the economic reality, the 90 million Americans who are going to tune in are facing this in their own way. And look, it could get worse, right? Because you look in the winter, restaurants are going to not be able to have as many people outside, especially in the Northeast and colder climates. Uh, You know, just today, New York is having 25 percent indoor dining, not, not even 50 Look, I think this is the one thing that President Trump for his entire political career, but also his entire business career, has been able to shift attention, uh, you know, be a seller, talk to somebody out of, don't look over here, look over there. But the audience, I mean, this is the the economy. I still think the economy and the recovery, it's going to be a remarkable, remarkable deciding issue. I got to leave it there. Matt Gorman, thank you. 
Brandon Neal, thank you. To all of our guests, Kimberly Guilfoyle, Congressman Connor Lamb uh, as well, thank you. And thank you for listening. We're in debate season. I'm in Cleveland. We've got continuing coverage all throughout the night. My name is Kevin Cerulli. I'm the Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.